Org. <laughs> Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Ritual and Matt Weldon. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who it's safe to say paid more than $750 in taxes in 2016, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. You can go to vote.org right now to make sure you are registered to vote and to check out uh, your options for how to do it in your area in the United States. Go to vote.org. Also, I just want to say that as we are recording this on Sunday night, before the episode comes out Monday, I cannot believe Sony bought From Software. I cannot believe Microsoft <laughs> bought Ubisoft. I cannot believe No, you're not going to be able to guess it. You're not going to be able to guess it. It's I can't come, believe no, it's that DLC come out was of, canceled. Uh, like, I'm just, you know. You're going to try to cover all it? Yeah. Uh, Gerald Ford died tonight. <laughs> There's an old Saturday Night Live sketch trying to anticipate <laughs> the news. We'll never Lucas anticipate eight. the news. We will, we will forever be behind the news because of Sunday night recordings. But that's okay. That's okay. There's plenty of folks, I'm sure, that are waiting for us. Uh, all the takes that have been so hot. People want our nice, cooled takes, Christian. Our 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 room temperature takes that have been just sitting out in in the open air for a week. And uh, you know, like a, a nice room temperature take is always nice, right? Well served, right? Like you, you <laughs> like, let the yeah. steak rest. You don't a want a bit. hot take. No, who wants a hot take when it as it's happening? Give it a nice full week to 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 sit in the sun. And you know what? We have an awesome guest to give us some takes as well. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week I am so excited because once again, DLC stands for Dad Life Chronicles. Because from Mega Dads, we have one of the Mega Dads, Mr. John Wall, returns to the show. Hey, John. Oh my golly, I'm back. Thank you so much, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been too long and... uh we love the things that you and the Mega Dads are doing to help people, encourage people to get registered to vote and uh, get out the vote this year. Um, so kudos to that. I was so happy to be a part of it. And I think you guys are doing just a wonderful, wonderful job getting the word out and uh, trying so to motivate your community and the gaming community at large. Yeah, as we've kind of built up, uh, as small as it is, we've got our own little community after six years that we've managed to cultivate. And we figure uh, it would be irresponsible of us not to try and take advantage of that to do some good in the world. So, yeah, we, we've started our Voice 2020 campaign this year. Uh, we've got folks like you, like yourself, uh, Gary Witta. Uh, Sissy Jones, all sorts of folks uh, trying to encourage people in the gaming community to get out and register to vote and educate themselves on the issues and just uh, become involved. And And I'll do a quick plug right at the top. People yes, go to please. megadads.org slash voice. Uh, we've got all sorts of resources that people can check out to find out where they can vote and when they can vote if they don't know. 
and uh, the video testimonials from all of you wonderful, wonderful people that have helped us out with this. That was megadads.org slash voice. There we go. Thank you. Do it. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's start talking about all of the insane, just tons of news that dropped this week. And we'll do that the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by heading over to our subreddit, that's 5x5dlc.reddit.com, where cool folks hang out and interact about the show, about video games in general. You can also send us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can head us up about stories. You can give us your opinion about the show, your opinion about video games, questions, comments. We love hearing from you. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But John, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories, and boy, there are some big hmm. ones this week. Did anything, what would you consider to be your story of the week? Did anything big happen this past week? I'm really going to have to <laughs> rack my Nothing brain. Nothing that we didn't cover on last week's show. <laughs> I'm sure there was no breaking news early on a Monday morning. Uh, no, I think it's probably not only the story of the week, but quite possibly the story of the year, I think, in the gaming world. Uh, would have to be Microsoft purchasing Bethesda and ZeniMax Media uh, for a whopping $7.5 billion, uh, giving them control over massive, massively popular franchises like, like Doom and Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Uh, just a huge catalog of games and a huge roster of studios that they now have under their belt and this news was a shock to me. I mean, there's been rumors about uh, about WB games, and there have been persistent rumors about, you know, Sega possibly being up for sale. But I hadn't heard myself anything about Bethesda. So uh, when I when I woke up to this on Monday, I was quite stunned. Um, and it's kind of been the talk of the gaming world ever since. It sure has. Uh, obviously. We're one of the last uh, podcasts to weigh in on this. Lots of people have been talking about it, and I'm sure anybody who's been listening to the chatter online about the video games industry has heard a lot of different perspectives on this. In general, it does seem like Microsoft and Bethesda have had a long, uh, mutually uh, beneficial relationship all the way back to Morrowind on the Xbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they have, uh, there's been a lot of goodwill established there and a lot of trust. And it seems like this wasn't a, a situation of, uh, ZeniMax looking for a buyer so much as a very specific, unique instance where this particular company, uh, bought this particular other company. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of of speculation as to what this means going forward, right? We know that the games that have been announced uh, being published by Bethesda that are PlayStation 5 exclusives like Deathloop uh, will still be, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo is another that was is being published by Bethesda, will still honor the 
exclusivity window on console for those games. They're, they were timed exclusives. They were always going to be timed exclusives and they will remain timed exclusives. So that does not change. Um, one of the things that immediately changed is that Doom Eternal showed up on Game Pass real quick, yeah. uh, which I think is a pretty neat little uh, tip of the hat from Microsoft saying, yeah, this there's some direct ramifications that you're going to see. Uh, I think that's a really kind of a cool thing for Xbox Game Pass subscribers and fans of this news, people who are excited about this catalog coming to Game Pass. I like I like the fact that Microsoft made it happen very quickly. Who knows if that was always going to be a, th- a thing, but I think it's a cool timing for that. Uh, and then you look forward, right? You look forward and you think about these incredible, highly anticipated franchises like Elder Scrolls, uh, like Starfield, which is a, a new IP, but one we know that Bethesda is working on that's going to be a big, giant, new role-playing franchise for them. And of course, Fallout and, you know, other franchises that they've got, Wolfenstein and, and Quake and Prey and uh, Doom and all these games. Um, what is your feeling, John, about how this is going to be handled? Are you one of these people that expects them to all be Microsoft exclusive titles going forward? Or do you think that they will remain multi-platform releases? So with with Xbox, I kind of... I never know what to expect from them because they have just done things so completely different in recent years. Uh, oftentimes unexpectedly my, my gut says, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised either way, whatever they decide to do. Um, my gut says we'll see certain titles, obviously games like elder scrolls online and fallout 76, I would imagine are going to continue to be supported and appear on all platforms. Um, my guess is that they would probably keep most of these as uh, exclusive to the Xbox family, you know, Game Pass and, and PC, um, and with maybe a few cases uh, porting things here and there like they did with Ori to Switch. Uh, but again, if they decided just to release everything across every all platforms and everything's on PlayStation, I, I probably wouldn't be shocked either because... I think it's just going to come down to uh, somebody's going to crunch the numbers and and see what's going to be more profitable. Will it be more profitable for them to release everything on PlayStation moving forward? Or would it be more beneficial? I mean, they're trying to grow Game Pass as the must-have subscription. Um, and They've wor- It's worked, it's as far it. as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, we're there. It oh. is a must-have subscription, as far as I, I'm concerned. I agree. Um, and, you know, having Elder Scrolls and having Fallout and Doom and all of these exclusive to Xbox and all available day one on Game Pass would be huge for, for their business. I think also in this uh, press release, they had announced that uh, Game Pass subscriptions had jumped from 10 million in April to 15 million currently. So it's already been pretty good growth. (laughs) Yeah. It's been doing fantastic. And I think we'll see uh, as a result of this announcement, it going uh, even further. So I don't, my guess would be is that most titles will be exclusive to Xbox, but again, Xbox does things differently, man. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Especially this generation. Yeah. Uh, Christian Spicer 
The quote from Pete Hines, who we all know, the uh, VP of global marketing, uh, said, we're still Bethesda. We're still working on the same games we were yesterday, made by the same studios we've worked with for years, and those games will be published by us. So why the change? Because it allows us to make even better games going forward, yada, yada, yada. Uh, What do you make of this, Christian? Do you think this is a, a, a minor change for Bethesda or a major change for them? I think long term, it's going to be major. I think initially, it's going to be more more minor. But the companies, like you mentioned, have had it, it seems you know good relationships now for decades. I think what kind of blows my mind about it is that almost twenty years ago, when Microsoft bought Rare, I believe it was two thousand two, they paid three hundred and seventy five million. Whew, and I, I'm not changed by these standards, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that Rare is uh, Bethesda, um, but like, oh, my golly, that is huge. Also, I find it interesting that they also bought Obsidian. Like, I'm curious kind of what the yeah. other studios that Microsoft, like how much fluidity is there between studios? Does this mean that we get Fallout New Vegas 2 because now they own Bethesda IP and Obsidian can make that instead of some other IP that they don't want to make? Is Obsidian worried about being folded into Bethesda? Um, you know, I, I'm super curious because oftentimes in, in and outside of video games, it's there's not going to be a change. Everything is going to be as is. And then after that contractual period ends, uh, there yeah. you get some 4, 4 p.m. Friday press release where eliminating redundancies and everybody except for Jim Lee at DC gets let go, you yeah. know, or, like, or the other store. One of the other stories we will definitely be talking about is nothing's going to change. Everything's fine. And then several years later, the entire company breaks off and forms a new company. That's going to do exactly what the old company did without the corporate overlords you know? SBN or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen it with like Sony certainly done it too with, um, uh, wipe out in that franchise and that studio. Um, and so, you know, it's hard because the thing that I think is most interesting about a lot of these purchases are the IP that's primo and very important and then talent, but talent, like you mentioned is, is fluid and can leave. And I'm sure they're contractually obligated to stay for a while, but like, um, Bioware, uh, 10 years ago seemed like a huge get for EA. Now, Bioware, it's like, what have you done for me lately? So Bethesda is huge. Don't get me wrong. They make some of the best games around. Um, but it's going to be telling to see going forward what is new Bethesda. And I think that'll be several years off before we see like the long-term ramifications of this deal. Immediately, I'm super excited to dive back into Doom Eternal and try it on PC. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. do so for free very Because why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think from a consumer perspective... If you are a Game Pass subscriber, this is just extremely positive news. I, I I I struggle to find a downside for anybody that has either a PC, an Xbox, and Game Pass. Right? It's the only <laughs> downside is that the price of Game Pass has to go up to justify not, these. Not in the short yeah. term, <laughs> long term maybe, but not in the short term. I mean, seven point five billion for Microsoft is not it's not nothing, but it's not a lot. You know, they got that kind of cash. No problem. And for five million, they can own uh, my little league memories. 
You think those are worth $5 million? I hit a home run. I almost bet, hit for a cycle one game. I was the pitcher at the time I hit a home run. All I was missing was a triple. I was player uh-huh. of the of the year did, one year in 1989. What you're doing right now is giving them away for free, Christian. No, no, you're no, just, no. I still own them. They can have them for $5 million. You said I don't a, think you, you can put a price on those. <laughs> uh, he John, just I just did $5 million. <laughs> uh, yeah. I give you my, my memories for half the price. Um <laughs> the uh the the interesting thing about all this is that it, it seems to me Bethesda at least in the short term is still going to be a fairly autonomous unit right it seems like they're still a publisher this is not buying a studio this is buying a publisher and i think that's pretty fascinating um and they're still going to be the publisher of record for of note for all these uh, games that they have lined up it'll be interesting to see how that shifts going forward and yeah everything was sunshine and roses for blizzard activision for a few years until it wasn't right and it's i don't think microsoft has quite the track record of swallowing people up and digesting them and spitting out refuse you know um, it, they they tend to at least recently They've tend to acquire these studios and let them kind of do their thing, which is great. And I think John made a great point that Microsoft is playing a little bit of a different game than most other of these big conglomerates, you know, that are trying to just gobble up people and squeeze out dollars. I think that Microsoft is playing a little bit of a longer game here. And one hopes that that means that Bethesda gets to keep being Bethesda and keep making great things and they don't have to be squeezed to or pressured to uh conform to a microsoft marketing schedule or hardware release schedule or anything and i I suspect that's the case i mean i think for example pushing halo away from launch is gives me a lot of confidence that microsoft is willing to make those tough choices and they're not just deciding based on bottom line based on profit um i feel like i've heard similar stories uh like from tim schaefer at, at, at at um Double fine. Yeah. Double fine that once they were acquired, uh, it was, you know, obviously they had a much bigger uh, piggy bank that they could dip into if they needed to. But it was kind of business as usual that they could run double fine as they always had in the past. So hopefully that's that's kind of the way it would work with Bethesda as well. Yeah, I'm certainly going to predict that. Uh, the games, the big, big, big Bethesda releases are still going to be multi-platform. I think Microsoft recognizes that the the key here is day and date on the subscription service that is their bread and butter. That is what they've banked this generation on. And it kind of doesn't matter if the next Elder Scrolls or Starfield or whatever game you want to put in there, it kind of doesn't matter if that comes out on PlayStation 5 on the same day for $70 because you can pay it, play it for 10 on the Xbox or PC, right? That, that is, that is already just a, an extraordinary leg up that they've got, even if they allow it to be on and they collect the, the dollars for it selling on these other platforms, which probably dollars that they wouldn't mind having. And they're still there's They still have the plus one, right? It's not like multi-platform of old because it's not an equal, a proposition it's like no on our system and on in our ecosystem it's way cheaper way more convenient still day one super easy i i just think there's no downside for microsoft letting the other platforms have them as well 
And I could see them maybe trying to have their cake and eat it too. And maybe they release those big titles on Game Pass for, you know, 90 day exclusivity or six months right. exclusive. And then they go to PlayStation and sell a right. gob of copies on the PS5. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is pretty exciting. Christian, did you have any other comments you want to make about this? I, I think it's a, it, it is one of those megatons and it, it does perk the, uh, the ears up to to think what other because we already heard Phil Spencer say this is not the last big acquisition that Microsoft Studios is going to make, uh, ex, excuse me, Xbox Game Studios is going to make. So there's a lot of other angles to this story. Is there anything else that piques your interest? I mean, the only other thing that I would want to bring up is that six million and you can have my rollerblading career. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like that's like two summers at Camp Woodward in Pennsylvania, yeah. X Games qualifiers. Um, skate videos, um, writing with K2. Like there's stuff, there's valuable stuff there. So that's just 1 million more than I think this is just a way for you to humble brag at this point. Uh, No, the humble brag would be next week when I say I got any of these millions. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm willing to to sell off the uh, naming rights to my kids. I'm done having kids, but they're so young. They won't know that they have a new name. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, but by that, your kid's name, your son's name is going to be original Xbox, which is actually the Xbox that comes out in 2025. Um, no, it's Jack, Jack X, Jack Series X. Go to bed, Zoom. <laughs> it's Zoom. That's an adorable name for my daughter. Little Zuni. Uh, all right. Well, like I said, we may have been the last to uh, to weigh in on this topic, but we certainly weren't the worst. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> These were the hottest <laughs> takes. This was the we finest were... quality takes. Yeah. Uh, there was an interesting article today, I think, in PC Gamer, talking to um, one of the founders of Bethesda who is now retired. And he was like, yeah, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, we always had a good relationship with Microsoft. And I think they're, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's not going to hurt the, the the company. He's like, I'm not involved anymore. I barely have any stock anymore, but I, I think it's good. Bet you he was uh, wishing he would have stayed on a little bit longer now. No kidding. Get a piece of that 7.5B. But uh, it remains to be seen. I, like, I, I think ultimately from from my perspective as a happy Xbox Game Pass subscriber, this is really good news, right? I know I don't have to worry about getting the next anything from Bethesda because it's all going to be on Game Pass. That's That's just amazing. That's just awesome. And bring it all on. I am so ready for this so ready for this future where just it's all on game pass day and date and i'm just paying this 10 bucks a month saving so many dollars yes it's incredible good game pass games too right because it's like what they make what bethesda makes are forever games for a lot of people so it keeps it's not like don't get me wrong i love the multiple four-hour games i think that's kind of where i personally will thrive with a lot of this stuff but like you play Fallout for a very long time. So it keeps your monthly sub. It keeps you interested. It's not, they need to drop a new game every month. I think they're still going to try to do, but it, their type of game makes a lot of sense for a Game Pass subscription service. It's pretty incredible. The only other question I have is, is the next Elder Scrolls game in this console generation? <laughs> it mm-hmm. may very well not be. If Starfield comes out first, which is what they've indicated, and it is the same studio that is doing this and they're not working really on elder scrolls until starfield is finished i'm thinking we get starfield in the next two years and then it's another several years after that for elder scrolls 6 and we may be on to xbox series xx 
plus X or something. I don't Man, know. After my last physical, I might not even live long enough to see Elder Scrolls. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. Uh, Christian a, Spicer, what is your story week. of the week? Uh, my story of the week is that for a cool 500,000 oh, uh, wedding photos, you know, like memories of my wedding. No shame. My wife and I have been married. We, we love each other very much. <laughs> Should I inform your wife that you value your rollerblading memories more than your <laughs> your no, no, wedding? No, no. Just my share of those memories. Uh-huh. Sure, she, yeah. She it's has still, hers. It's still, so her share is worth uh, the millions, yours is in the, in the 500,000? <laughs> like she's not um, going to be happy about that. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Uh, believe me, John. We both know she does not. Um, <laughs> Barely anyone does, John. It's fine. We're, we're basically talking to ourselves. <laughs> my uh, my story of the week is that in addition to helping turn your house into a fully monitored police state, um, Amazon announced their cloud gaming service. Um, Another cloud gaming service. We, ha- we were We were getting dangerously low on those. What I found interesting about Luna um, is that a lot of the stuff at their Amazon hardware day or whatever had leaked and been rumored. And of course, this cloud gaming service of, of Amazon's had been leaked and rumored for a long time, too. But at least I didn't have any indication that it was going to be announced so soon. Like they didn't as far as I saw, they didn't even tweet, tweet out like, hey, check out our new surveillance state products and the future of cloud gaming. It wasn't like, Hey, we're not going to do anything to rectify the warehouse problems we have and the employees that we don't allow to have a voice because of the working conditions we put them through and check out our gaming streaming service. Like it just kind of seemed like part of their regular announcement. It wasn't like I've profited making billions of dollars during the pandemic while others have (laughs) suffered. And here's this new cloud gaming service. It was just like, kind of run of the mill. That's what kind of blows me away about it. And it seemed like they had their messaging so much better put together than Stadia, which Stadia is still like floundering. And Luna's like, hey, it's this for month. You're going to get these games. This, We're going to have other channels. Go eat. This is exactly what Stadia's thing should have been. This is what it should have been. This is all the stuff that we all wanted from Stadia laid out Exactly. You get, there's a subscription service where you get a bunch of games and it's cheap. It's six bucks a month. It's pretty awesome. Although why is this not just folded into my prime subscription? Like everything else, Amazon, come on, come on, Amazon. Uh, but it's got, you know, it's got all the things we wanted out of stadia, all the things stadia said it was going to have the, this controller that just talks to the cloud instead of talking to the, which stadia said they had, but still doesn't work like that. Uh, it's got, 4K 60 frames per second, which is what Stadia said you were paying for, but still doesn't really work like that. It's got, uh, it's got, you know, play on one screen, instant transfer to another screen, all of the things. It has an iOS solution. Well, how? I'm baffled by this. It's a web browser. It's in the web. So it's like you can turn like, you can go to IGN.com on like Safari and then click a button and it creates a little icon on your you know, or I should say five by five dot TV slash DLC. Why am I giving you press IGN? Um, and, uh, hi John. And you, you can, <laughs> uh, you know, you can add that as like a home screen. So it launches you straight to the page. They've said that that's what it is. It's like a Safari workaround. Will Isn't... Apple come in and go, no, I don't know. I don't Amazon. Everybody doesn't do that. If that's the, all you've got to do anyway, the other thing that they've got that stadia, said they were going to have and still doesn't and felt like the game changer is 
you you watch a Twitch thing, somebody's playing a game, one click, and they play it. And they said, Google said they were going to do it with YouTube. It still doesn't work. So this is like, for me, bullet point by bullet point of what got me excited about Stadia. If Amazon can actually deliver what Stadia, you know, what Nintendo don't, right? What Stadia don't, uh, then uh, I, I feel like this is the win that I wanted Stadia to be. But I'm curious, John, what you think. I love the idea of this cloud gaming future. Uh, I haven't dabbled too much in it myself. Uh, I did a little bit of the uh, xCloud beta when that was on iOS. And then obviously I can't, as an iOS user now, I can't uh, use it any further. And I haven't tried Stadia. But I like the idea of this. I just think about how uh, the, the difficulties I have with distance learning and my kids can't even connect to their schools. Uh, Mm. And it's like, I don't have a lot of faith that my internet is, is ready for that, that, that a lot of people. It's just because your kids' schools are not a money-making venture. This is true. That's true. Uh, This school. Somebody could make a dollar off of your kids going to school, (laughs) then it would work. Oh yeah. They, they, they'd have uh, fiber uh, by now. Um, but I mean, I think it's definitely a much more attractive offering than than Google managed with Stadia. Stadia is something that I don't even, I hardly even remember that it exists at this point. It just seems like it just seems like an afterthought. I don't hear anybody talking about Stadia. But I think Amazon's got the potential to to pull this off. They seem like they've got all their ducks in a row so far. They've got obviously the money uh, to back it up that they could maybe. I didn't I didn't I don't remember if they had anything as far as like exclusive games announced during this uh, or if it was just. No, of, but they say they've got some studios working on things. So yeah. we, don't, we, we haven't yeah, heard they've any announced, specific. They've announced their games, some of them. Right. We've seen one launched and then quietly on, <laughs> unlaunched. <laughs> and another one's been shown for PS5. It's like they have their studios chugging away, but they haven't announced them as like exclusive i i think to me what's going to be the make or break for this right now it's 5.99 i think a month for this trial period um and then who knows how much the ubisoft channel is going to be um in those types Ubi- of channels. You, got, you gotta love ubisoft right they haven't met a platform they don't like <laughs> i love that about them they're so like yeah we'll be on it you want to be on wii u Heck yeah. You want us to make some exclusive games for it? Let's do it. They probably still support Ouya. <laughs> yeah, the only, exactly. They're all, all over whatever it is you want to do, man. You want to only old platform, shoe? Yeah, we're on it. The only platform they haven't supported until recently was Equality. Um, what they're, <laughs> Ooh, Christian with the zingers that man, tonight. He's on top of it. What? Yeah, Ubisoft's willing to put their games anywhere and everywhere, and that's great. But it's going to depend on the catalog for... Uh, Luna, right? Like we we just got done raving about Game Pass and everything that they have coming, and so what does my five ninety nine get me? How often are new games going to be coming in? That's something that has kind of hampered Stadia. It's like with the Pro, it's like you get some games, and it's like, what? That game came out five years ago. <laughs> I don't want that game. Well, they're they're it said it's launching with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Far Cry Six, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, same day they release. But that's so, the that's the Ubisoft channel. How much is that? Or is that on the default Luna channel? Yeah, that's you're right. That is unclear at this time. But I do like the idea that there's some day and date stuff. I think, you know, I guess there was a few day and date things on Stadia, but it was far, few and far between. I don't know. Christian, you seem you were always this was always your future. This is what you wanted. And I feel like you're you're a little more 
No, I'm I'm super Hedging. excited. I'm super excited about it. I've signed up to be in, um, you know, to get into the beta. And with the things I've said on this episode, I'm sure I, I'm sure I will. <laughs> You're Don't in. worry. Don't worry. That little drone that's in your house is not recording everything you say. <laughs> Just the important stuff. So they know they need they know what they need to know. Um, I am excited about it. I, I am curious, kind of what that like. Right now, the games that they've announced aren't any that are like this is the must play for me. And because of the pandemic world, it's a less viable, interesting thing for me, like product. And then the other side of it is after I got my used Android device, I have xCloud and it's really good. (laughs) It's it's, the number of times I've been playing Streets of Rage in my bed is a lot. Um, As opposed to playing Streets of Rage in your bed. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's true, because then that would just be more memories that I'd have to sell to Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want those memories, dude. Um, Rated M for mature. <laughs> yeah, they want that. I, Microsoft <laughs> caters to the hardcore. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but I'm excited, and but I think it just took me by surprise that I was like, ring announcement, ring announcement. Oh, that Echo Show looks neat ring drone that's weird video i was like wait a video i'm interested in what echo show that looks interesting fire tablet that looks interesting <laughs> yeah yeah well they had a lot to get through you know it was a it wasn't a, it wasn't a gaming event so um I, yeah i'm intrigued by this uh, do, do we know a date when is this happening i know the beta is happening but they have they have they announced like when the rollout is actually supposed to happen or is it just sort of nebulous in beta forever type classic that's Silicon what I've Valley. heard. I have not seen or heard. But again, it's prob- the release date's probably in the instruction manual for the drone. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see yeah. them do some sort of, if they can tie all these devices together, you know, maybe you can port over Division 2 and then your little drone in your corner launches and you're flying around your room. And, I like and let's it. Let's just bring all these devices together. Yeah, let's get Ubisoft on that functionality. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 Alexa, play games for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. My story of the week is another absolute bombshell as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think all three of these stories this week are any week's game uh, story of the week, and they're all vying for the top. As you said, John, I think, you know, the Microsoft Bethesda thing is, 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 you know, maybe story of the year, but these are all huge stories. There is a new game studio, uh, actually three (laughs) new game studios that were all announced. Uh, Mike Morheim, the original Blizzard co-founder and the guy who did the keynote for BlizzCon every year, he was the face of Blizzard up until 2018 when he, uh, quote-unquote, retired and left the company, uh, has announced uh, he's founding a new company called Dreamhaven, based where? Irvine, California, the same place that Blizzard is based, with Two internal studios headed up by who? <laughs> Jason Chase, the uh, Hearthstone executive producer, former former Hearthstone executive pu- producer, uh, and StarCraft II's game director and former Heroes of the Storm game director, J- Dustin Browder. Uh, they are teaming with Hearthstone creative director, Ben Thompson, who we've all seen and know very well. Uh, he's the face was the face of that game for a long time. They're creating a, a company called Moonshot. Then there's a another company called Secret Door. This is led by Hearthstone executive producer Chris Sigate, uh, Sig- I think Sigati. I'm sensing uh, a trend. Yeah, uh, Hearthstone game director Eric Dodds and Alan Debiri, who 
headed up Heroes of the Storm, Warcraft 3, StarCraft 2. It is a who's who of Blizzard former employees. Well, what about the third studio that they founded called our contractual agreements are have lapsed. Um, I think it's the one. That yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is literally Mike Morheim's uh, no compete clause expired, <laughs> and so he made a new company that is literally just Blizzard Redux. Uh, it's called Dreamhaven. It's got these studios. They haven't announced any particular games that they are working on, but they are working on games. They are hiring. They are revving up uh, to be the new Blizzard. And I think, you know, obviously I even referenced it, but it, it ties directly into our first story. Uh, this is clearly to me uh, a fairly medium-sized to large-ish fish that got swallowed by a bigger fish and didn't like how it felt in the stomach of the fish. That's not a very good metaphor. But, you know, they they were acquired slash uh, teamed up, uh, partnered with Activision. And then it sounds like everything that's happened in Blizzard since that moment has been something that was pretty distasteful to all the true believers at Blizzard, all the folks that founded the company and really created it out of love and uh, passion for making games. And it sounds like Activision just really squeezed them for the bottom line, the most telling quote here from Mike Morheim, I mean, he comes out and says it. <laughs> he tells GamesBeat uh, during the announcement of this, Mike Morheim says, quote, we're almost trying to create a haven for creators who want an environment that is development friendly, values product and player experience over short term financial pressures. <laughs> I mean, it's explicit, right? He just says, we want to be a place where you can come make games that you like and you care about and you're not worrying about squeezing a dollar out of the consumer. The only thing that makes me sad about this, the only thing, is that it means that DLC is going to stop because they'd be stupid not to hire you, Jeff. Like, that's the only um, thing. It's like, Jeff's going to move <laughs> to Orange County. I'm ready. He's going to dye his hair blonde. He's Put me in, Coach. Truck. Why do I need to be blonde? Oh, because I'm Irvine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll do that. I'll go blonde if if it means getting a job at this company. You could pull it um, I mean, I, th- this does seem like all the people I love most who have made all the games I love most have decided to go make a company where they make games that people will love and not th- not worried about making money on them per se. Like, that's not the number one goal. I mean, what a what a just an absolute direct shot at activision blizzard right i mean this it couldn't be more explicit that Morheim and it sounds like all of these former blizzard employees like the top top the the people who are responsible for the games the game directors the most creative the the faces of the blizzard as a company for many years all jumping ship and basically saying the reason why is because we don't like that kind of behavior we don't like that kind of being beholden to that kind of corporate structure. And that I doesn't mean, even cover the amount of people that had left in the interim and gone to riot. Right. I know. Well, there were all those layoffs as well. I mean, there wasn't just people leaving. There was people fired. And we've, we've talked on this show for the last two years uh, about story after story of, of Blizzard. I mean, a company that is very near and dear to my heart. I, there are very few studios that I really have affection for, you know, as, as a, 
uh, as a touchstone for my sort of gaming identity, Blizzard is peerless, right? It is, that is the, the company whose games I most love, right? Consistently. There are other, I mean, Bethesda is another example of, of a company whose games I love. And there are lots of companies whose games I love, but there's something about Blizzard. I think a lot of it has to do with BlizzCon. A lot of it has to do with their embracing of their community and, and really reinforcing it. And really all of that is an extension of Mike Morheim in a lot of ways. I mean, he, his vision for that and his sort of being out in front of it and really uh, supporting it in a, in a real significant way, I think that comes from the top, right? That comes from him. Um, so it, and there's part of me that has, it, I've said on the show for the last two years, it has pained me to see what has been happening to Blizzard. And I've been constantly hoping that it doesn't, indicate something worse at the heart of the of the company but man this seems like proof right this seems like i don't know john am i overreacting to this news yeah no i don't think so i i am always kind of been a bit of a console weenie so i don't have a lot of history uh and experience with these franchises but it i mean this does sound like kind of the best case scenario that uh, all of these creatives that have been unhappy and that have been trapped uh, in a situation that they didn't like are now going to have this opportunity to uh, go out on their own and build something new from scratch uh, and make the games that they want, make uh, you know the franchises that they that they feel strongly about. And I think that's only a really good thing. Yeah, I, I I'm very excited as to what these this group of companies is going to create it's clearly a long way off right this is not these aren't games that we're going to see in the short term but it it does feel like this is being done for all the right reasons as far as i'm concerned it's it's a bunch of people getting together and going hey we can make great things again if we just stop worrying about how many dollars we can squeeze out of people uh christian you know we've heard rumblings about things like Overwatch 2 was the in, the team didn't want to make it Overwatch 2 and they were forced to call it Overwatch 2 and make it a completely new boxed product because Activision said, hey, numbers on games make them sell more and uh, we don't want this to just be an upgrade to Overwatch. We want it to really feel like an Overwatch 2 and then there's this big fight about interoperability between the first game and the second. We've heard all kinds of, of rumblings about you know, game, internal games that were canceled, uh, things that the way games behave at Blizzard now being kind of forced on them from the top. It's hard for me not to look at this as a real confirmation of all of my worst fears about the company. Yeah, I, I am curious, and I haven't dug super deep, um, but it does seem like Mike and everybody at um, Dreamhaven are saying a lot of the right things, and I, I have to take them at face value. I am curious where they're getting their funding from. It, it doesn't seem that far Mike fed. Morheim, he's no, funding it. That's what it says. He is funding it. He's a this, very wealthy man then. Y- you think? Yeah. I mean, like very well. It's he could be he well. and his wife are funding it. Uh, where is it? I... I read it here in a second um what is this arnold schwarzenegger's uh, self-funded here, thing to get people voting centers reopened yeah like, here it is Dreamhaven is funded by morheim who will serve as company C- ceo and his wife amy who's leading operations well i imagine there's other money but i could be wrong but well, regardless I, I would i would buy I, yes i would assume that there's other 
investment. Not he's not self-funding it completely, but it does. I mean, the line was Dreamhaven is funded by Morheim, so yeah, that's, I'm sure he's he's retaining control. Right? Right. I think that's the key key point. That's pretty incredible. I also wonder, like, I don't think this is cynical to me. I find it kind of optimistic, but I kind of wonder if it's you know, like we're starting this studio, Sony, Microsoft how many billions you got like i'm just so curious now like i i imagine that he's hesitant to be snapped up again but like as these studio wars so to speak heat up like they need what one hit and then their valuation is 20 billion dollar you know it's, it's just wild now like the way valuation of these studios can go based on some big ips but i think it does make sense and i think jeff your fears are correct in in many ways it's you know, Activision over the years has made several of my favorite games. And I currently love Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, the remake. It is fantastic. But Activision also for years ruined that franchise. They've ran many a franchise into the ground by Activisioning them. And it did appear as if some of that, you know, more and more of that was rubbing off onto Blizzard. And I totally get people looking to to reclaim that magic you know i'm still trying to uh, reclaim the magic that you can have for five million dollars um but, <laughs> but like i get it i get it they had they had something very special at blizzard right for a very long time yeah and it hasn't felt that way from blizzard now for many years so it, it all it all makes sense to me well, also i'm is, available yeah yeah hire me please uh, the, the, uh, the thing that's so interesting to look back on is, is you see the, the statements that were made when all of these, these guys, I guess it's all guys that we're talking about, all these guys, uh, left the company, Morheim in particular, it was like, well, it's time for me to, you know, spend more time with the family and retire. I don't really have the, you know, the past, the day, too many hours in my day. All of it is just like, no, he wanted to make games. He, he wanted to be doing this. None of him you know, he wasn't ready to stop. You want, he's ready to jump back in and start a new company. He just didn't like how it was going. Uh, and he couldn't say that because legally you're not able to. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't mean, I don't want to read too far into it, but, and I still am very excited for a lot of Blizzard games, but man, this is really exciting. And the idea that these, these creators can be unshackled you know, and really make what they're passionate about and not have to worry about monetization, at least, at least in the design process, or at least as, as dictated to them. I mean, I'm not under the misapprehension that these games won't have monetization in some way, right? We're still talking about video games and we're still talking about a very expensive product, but the idea that they'll, they won't have to be beholden to some other entity dictating those terms to them. They can create the game and the kind of monetization in the game that they think is most appropriate and serves the game best makes me excited. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing announcements moving forward from these companies of, of what their first games are going to be. And I am working on my LinkedIn account and (laughs) on that resume, you know, I, I write, I write stories for games. I'm uh, doing the dungeon run. Check out the dungeon run. Anybody at dream Haven? Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, I know somebody put in the show notes here the uh, the storage on the Xbox. Is that you, John, who a- entered that story? Yeah, I'd thrown that in there. Just I thought that was kind of uh, it is. Let's talk about it. That, yeah, yeah. They finally announced uh, how they're 
additional storage is going to work for the Xbox Series S and the X. There were a lot of people that were kind of concerned about their S being an all-digital console, but only having, what, 512 gigabytes of storage. Uh, so now they've revealed that their proprietary storage from Seagate is going to retail for $219 for one terabyte of additional storage. And I know, like I said, I haven't, I don't play, uh, much games on, on PC, but much smarter people, uh, have told me that that seems in line with what you would pay for, um, for a high quality terabyte of SSD doesn't make me feel any better about uh, the idea of dropping over two bills uh, for a little extra storage. Um, yeah. The problem is these are the gen three uh, SSD drives that they have to be that super fast uh, mm-hmm. data, data transfer rate drives. Uh, yeah. So those are, are a pretty penny right now, but it doesn't, as you said, I would say the average consumer isn't really paying attention to that fact about it. And right. it doesn't soften the blow that if you bought a, a series S that's like over 75% of the price of your console for another extra hard drive. That seems yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, it's like a shock that makes the series X seem like a better value when the series X has one of those, you know, not it has like a terabyte of storage already so it has 500 more than what you have as an s and you're like oh well that's how much the storage is i think yeah. what microsoft has 45 percent of the price of the series x 45 percent <laughs> has done well is like this is needed to take advantage of our you know reduced load time like you can plug in an old hard drive for old games and you can move games from your hard drive to your console so you can still sit there with your you know, platter five terabyte drive that you bought for a nickel or something like that and use it as backup. You just can't play games right. off of it. Mm-hmm. So I, right. I understand but that's that from important. A that's an important distinction. That's yes. a, you want to, I mean, especially with the S you want to play games off of it. So, well, you have, yeah, you have to sit and transfer it, which I imagine is faster than redownloading it. Like there's, yeah, probably. there are options. What gets me and you know, John kind of hit on a little bit. It's like two nineteen, like not one ninety nine. Not two twenty five, like <laughs> you're just upset by the the ugly number. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> who prices stuff like that? Yeah. Speaking of ugly numbers, I I misspoke. I, I said Gen three. They are Gen four NVMe SSDs that okay. that you need to uh, put in this thing. So. Yeah, I think that's going to be the big thing for me is is how fast is the process of transferring between your USB hard drive to the the SSD. Because if it's a relatively quick process, then I feel like having my, you know, whatever eight terabyte drive plugged in would be okay to just kind of transfer stuff as I play it. It's not like I play, you know, 10, 20 games at a time, Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, especially with games like, you know, Call of Duty is what, 300 gigs that is the, the other cool thing before I move on is like the new Xbox app. And I don't know if this is out now or just kind of rumored for it or kind of leaked for it, but it's like you can add games you don't own yet. So it's like, let's say you're getting the disc version. You can download all the stuff for it. And then when you yeah. buy it, you have it like that's pretty great. That's pretty, pretty great. It but it's also using up, using up a lot of your gigs. Uh, yes. But like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's nice. To, then you could play the game. You can preload yeah. your game and play it when it comes out, which is cool. All right, well, let's move on now. But first, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Ritual. Oh, boy, Ritual. You know, if, you're, if you care about what you put in your body, and you should, 
then you know that even eating right, even having a, a diet that has lots of nutrients and fresh fruits and vegetables, there are vitamins and minerals that your body needs that you might miss, that you might need to supplement. And Ritual is that supplement. We've been talking about Ritual for quite a long time on DLC because uh, it is was designed by a woman for women. The Ritual Essentials for Women has been uh, a very, very popular product for women to get all of the nutrients. My wife has been doing it. I know, Christian, your wife was doing it. Get all of the nutrients you need in one daily supplement that is delivered to your house, is at a subscription. It makes it super easy. Uh, and it has a lot of wonderful features that have m- made it very popular, like it's completely transparent. You know what's in it. Everything in a ritual essential vitamin is vegan certified, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free, and they list their sources right there for the whole world to see because they believe that the people taking their vitamins deserve to know what they're putting in their body and why. It's also gentle on an empty stomach, which is the thing my wife likes about it. That's why she stopped taking any other uh, supplement, she's completely switched over to Ritual Essentials for Women. They have a uh, delayed release, no nausea capsule uh, that's designed to be gentle on the stomach. You don't even have to eat food with it. A lot of these uh, other supplements you have to take with food, which kind of you know makes it a little um, confining to your lifestyle. This You can just take it whenever you need to. You don't have to worry about eating. Plus they have a mint essence tab in every bottle that uh, deals with some of the bad aftertaste or bad breath that can be associated with the omega-3s and the, the fishy fishy taste. Um, these are high-quality ingredients that you can put in your body. And like I said, women, like my wife, have been using the Ritual Essentials for women for a long time, but now they have Ritual for men. So I've started as well. Christian, I know you said you started doing the for men as well, right? You hear that? That's my new bottle. Yeah, you keep it right next to your podcasting station. <laughs> I, really, I do. I keep it at my desk because then I sit down in the morning and I'm like, oh yeah, perfect. Got them right yeah. here. So why not jump in? It's, they have a, a version for everyone now and daily changes can lead to big results. So start small today. Ritual is offering listeners of DLC 10% off their first three months of Ritual. You can try it out, satisfaction guaranteed. When you go to ritual.com slash DLC, and start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash DLC, R-I-T-U-A-L.com slash DLC. Right, it is time to dive into the games that we have been playing this week. And John, you've been playing one that I have been uh, tempted to buy, even though I played it way, way back when, many, many years ago. Uh, Mafia Definitive Edition. Uh, what do you think of it? I am surprisingly enjoying this quite a bit. I, I played the original two back in, what, uh, 2002, I believe. So this game is already almost 20 years old. Um, but they have completely create recreated it from scratch. Everything is redone. Visuals are completely redone. Uh, the voice acting is all new. Um, it's stunning looking. I think the they have done a tremendous job on the presentation. Uh, the visuals are fantastic. The city is is vibrant and alive and full of small details. 
Um, the voice acting is really solid. It's got uh, a really fun. I've always kind of had a soft spot for these old timey mafia stories. Um, and it's mm. got a, it's got a fun story. Uh, it's a little bit, you know, cliched, but it's still got interesting characters. Um, uh, and yeah, I'm really having a blast. The only thing that I would critique it on is the, the controls are a little bit loosey goosey. Um, it, it could be a little tighter in that respect. Uh, I think the driving feels fine, but the on foot sequences, um, could use a little bit of tweaking, but I think if you are a fan of the original and you have fond memories of that, I think, uh, I admire what they've done here. They could have, you know, just kind of given it a shine, you know, a little HD shine, like, uh, the other game I've been playing this week. Um, uh, but they completely redid everything from scratch. And I think it really holds up well, uh, compared to modern games. Um, one thing I really appreciate about it is it kind of harkens back to the simplicity of early open world games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many, that. so many open world games. Now you, you know, you open this map that is just tremendously huge and it's filled with hundreds of icons and loads of side missions and collectibles. And, you know, you're going to spend 200 hours discovering every inch of this map. Whereas this game, while it's got a, a pretty good sized map to it, it's it's a pretty linear single player narrative experience where, you know, you just go from one story mission, you know, as soon as you complete it, it goes directly into the other mission. Uh, and you can still kind of veer off the path here and there to kind of explore the map, but it's a much more guided, uh, focused experience than a lot of the open world games of today and and it's kind of refreshing you know that i don't have to that's look interesting at, yeah i don't have to I, look I, at all these side quests and wonder about you know <laughs> all the hidden objectives and easter eggs yeah. and all that yeah it's, it's fascinating to me to hear you hear you with that perspective because honestly i do you said you know people who have fondness for the original and i do have a fondness for the original mafia i played it whatever crazy year that was that it came out i don't even want to know um <laughs> and i Jeff, remember it was like only six months ago it was january 2020 it just feels <laughs> like yeah right it feels, yeah we're remaking games from january 2020 it does seem like something that could be possible we could remake year, 2020 remake. i'd be okay with that yeah let's remake the whole year that's a good idea um and looking back i i do have a fondness for that game i i played through it i i struggled through that first race thing that that was so borked when it the game launched and mm-hmm. i remember uh just thinking it, it was so cool that it was like gta but back you know in the 20s and 30s and because there weren't any other games like that yeah. and i've definitely been wondering if my fondness is really more about the fact that there were so few open world games at all and, or if the game really was excellent, right. You know, I, I, I remember liking it, but I don't remember details enough to go. Yeah, it definitely would hold up. So hearing you say that it does hold up is a little surprising to be quite honest. Yeah. And I don't know, obviously it's been, you know, two decades. I I can't remember anything from back then, but so I don't know how exact, I mean, since it's built from scratch, I don't know if it's, you know, each mission is kind of plays out exactly the same, but I think it does hold up really well. Um, It's, you know, like I said, it's obviously a much more kind of simple experience compared to 
modern games, but I'm kind of digging that. I'm, it, it just feels good to yeah. play something focused and simple and, and that I will probably be able to beat in about a week instead of, you know, <laughs> three or four months. Uh, yeah. yeah, I highly, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, so does the story hold up as well? Do you feel like it, it, it feels a little dated? Um, I know game narrative and storytelling, it was a standout at the time, really, because there were not a lot of games that felt cinematic in the way that Mafia did. Right. Uh, but lots more games do now. And I wonder if it, it feels uh, like you said, they've updated a lot of things and rewritten sections, but I wonder your perspective on the story in particular. I do think it holds up pretty well. Like I said, it's it's a bit of a cliched story. It's not going to, you know, throw you for a loop with, you know, amazing storytelling on the level of, you know, a Last of Us or anything like that. But for a old school kind of mob tale, I think it's pretty well done. I think uh, the music is great. The character models are very well done. So the, the cutscenes look really nice. Um, the characters are interesting. Uh, I, I'm having fun with the story. That's great. Yeah. That's really good. Um, Mafia Definitive Edition is what we've been talking about. And I've been tempted to grab it, but man, there's so many things coming up. I, uh, I don't know if I'll have, I'll have room for it. And I feel like it's an experience that I already had, but I, you know, I do like these remakes, these full remakes. And as you already said, that it is in contrast to another game or games you've been playing, which are not full remakes, more remasters, right? Yeah, yeah. Super Mario 3D All-Stars uh, also came out last week, which collects Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy. Um, they, yeah, in comparison, they didn't do much to these games uh, other than uh, making them HD Mario 64 runs in uh, 720p. Uh, the other two get 1080p and and widescreen. Uh, it was a little bit, you know, I haven't played. I don't often go back to older games too much. I'm always kind of looking for the the uh, the next next thing. So I haven't played Mario 64 in ages. Uh, and going back to it was a little bit like, hmm. You, you mean? Yeah, I I was a little taken (laughs) back. It's like, oh, there was there was a time when I thought this was like the most amazing looking thing I've ever seen. And that was a long time ago. (laughs) That sounds a bit like video game blasphemy. You know, I think we're all supposed to, um, I, you know, not point out any flaws for 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 this masterpiece. So I have very strong memories of Mario 64. It was one of the first. Uh, games and and consoles, the Nintendo 64 that I bought kind of once I had a job and I had my own money. uh, And I have vivid memories of going into Toys R Us and there being a little demo station. And I played that demo in the courtyard for probably about an hour. And it was magic to me. It was like, this is something I never thought games could do or look like or, or feel like. So... I mean, there's huge sentimental attachment to this. So kind of revisiting it, I kind of feel like maybe I don't want to replay it again and just let it live on in my memory as the masterpiece Mm. that it was in 1997, uh, as opposed to 
being compared to what modern games do and the advances that we've made in things like 3D control and camera. Because I don't, I don't think there are very many games looking back to the Nintendo 64 era or the PlayStation 1 era in the early days of 3D. I think that's a tough generation uh, to revisit and not be put put back by the the archaic controls and camera and mm. you know i feel like it's even easier to go back to 8-bit or 16-bit those games hold up uh better i think so i think mario 64 i might kind of say oh well it was it was nice seeing you again uh and leave it at that um i've dabbled a bit in sunshine i haven't played galaxy yet sunshine i feel like holds up better uh unlike a lot of people i actually enjoyed sunshine when it first came out um and i think both visually and control wise i think that game uh holds up pretty well uh i've been having a lot more fun with that revisiting that uh the music's fantastic i'd like that little world that they created that weird island for that game um i do feel you know that i just i just wish maybe a little bit more love and uh, tlc would have been put into this package yeah, that's how I feel, too. I, I wish it had been more like, well, we were just discussing Mafia Definitive Edition. Now, granted, Mafia Definitive Edition came out alongside a remaster of all the other Mafia games. Mm-hmm. So they did one and then j- just did the, uh, you know, the nice new coat of paint on the on the others. Right. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> like we well, can't. Be- to be fair, Nintendo didn't have time to do a full remaster on this because they barely have time to sell it to us. It's only about, you know, so like, <laughs> Oh yeah. I still, if they had yeah, done limited. the remaster time, we'd only have like a day to buy it. Like we should be grateful. They're under the, under the gun. Yeah. Christian, do you, I would love to get your take on what John said about Mario 64, right? It's, it, it, you've been playing this collection too, revisiting these games. I know you focused a lot last week on sunshine in particular, but um, do you agree that super Mario 64 is, a nostalgia trip more than it is a uh, a current masterpiece? Yes and no. I think the problem with 64 is that there have been better, like, PC releases, wink, wink, up for yeah, it yeah. that are widescreen and... Look Emulation, little, yeah. Yeah, look a little cleaner. And I think it ran really, really well on... Was it the DS version, the 3D? One of the... Like, it looked good on that smaller screen kind of thing like oh yeah it's, it's aged but this is cool kind of moment right. and playing it on a, a large tv now and many people maybe on a 4k tv that then is having like up happening like it's still uh it's uh four by three um which is how the game was so i'm okay with that i think you know otherwise they're building new assets out but yeah it's not gonna blow any anyone away graphically where i think it is still a masterpiece and i'm trying to you know, see if my kids are interested in it. They love watching me. I'm still playing through Sunshine and my daughters are back into Animal Crossing and now uh, my oldest is working her way through Let's Go, uh, Eevee still after finishing Pokemon Sword. But I, I think Mario 64 is a still a master class in introducing 3D platforming, air quote platforming, the same way Mario 1-1 was for 2D platforming. And that game shows you what to do and introduces new mechanics and more complex worlds and and things as it progresses so beautifully and it's not super complex the way some of these other games are where i think that my kids would really gravitate toward it and that because it's cartoony 
the graphics aren't um what's the word i'm looking for they don't assault your eyes <laughs> like resident evil one i have a fondness for it i like the playstation but it's like purely nostalgic like that game is ugly i don't think mario 64 is ugly in that same way but i agree with john that it's not you put it on you go wow wow this does look good you put it on you're like yeah that's three cubes (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 i I see what you're saying that it's not attempting to be photo real and and resident evil one like was as close to photos real as we could get at that time like they were trying (laughs) more no, it's like, oh, no, a zombie. Oh, wait, never mind. That's that's Jill. Uh, ooh, okay. Yeah. She's yeah. a flat that's texture a tree. on a flat face. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tree. Yeah. Uh, it's still yeah. great to revisit it. Um, just just to kind of see, you know, after so many years uh, right. to, to go back to that world. I'm most excited about Galaxy from that package and playing it on, you know, a dude actual controller. It's, <laughs> I, I've barely dipped my toe into it, John. I don't know if you, it's, uh, I think it's the best way to play that game, and that game holds up. It is it is goat. See, I'm, ex- status. Yeah. I'm excited to play that one because I am weird, and I didn't really enjoy it originally when I played it, and I think that was mostly due to the motion controls. I just mm. struggled to 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 play that game, so I'm really excited to see now if I can play it in a more traditional way. If it's going to click with me in a way that it didn't back on the Wii. I want a release that's not Super Mario 3D All-Stars. It's just Galaxy 1 and 2 on yeah. the Switch. Give me that. The problem that. is they'll know that I'm going to rebuy Galaxy 2 on Switch. You know, like they're yeah. going to get another 60 bucks from me like they did for World. Available for 48 <laughs> hours. Grab it now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christian, anything else you've been playing other than the All-Stars? I have done nothing, nothing new this week. I'm still... I, yeah, nothing new. We don't need to spend any time on it. I still love Ghost of Tsushima, and I'm still having fun revisiting my childhood in uh, uh, Mario games. Only $5 million. Uh, you I two, mean, can, you two tell, can revisit Christian's childhood. So I'll tell you the game I've really been playing. Um, it's called Trying to Pre-Order Electronics. Like That is the only game <laughs> that I've had. That has been time. a very entertaining game over the last two weeks. Uh, yeah. yeah. Take my money, please, the, the game. Uh, I which need I guess to get, all games are. I need to get a 3080 so I can delete Twitter from my phone again. Do you understand the problem? It's like I have so many apps, like my Discord. I'm getting all these alerts, and I just like oh, I just want the thing. Um, but I'm yeah. fine, Jeff. What have you been playing? <laughs> I think we're I think we're through it though. I mean, I, other than not having 3080s, but it's uh, you know, there's no more products. I think that oh, I, there's probably an iPhone coming next in the next couple of weeks if we're into that. I don't know. There's always something else. Um, I have been just completely still absorbed with games that I've talked about on the show uh, recently, Hades and Star Renegades, particularly Star Renegades. Too many people are sleeping on that game. It is so Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. Good. It's on Game Pass. I'm playing it on PC. I love it on PC. Uh, It's so, so good. Ah, man. I I really hope more people give that game a shot because um, I find the combat to be just sublime it like the turn-based how how strategic you can be how much information the game is constantly giving you how slick the systems work together it's just really really cool and they had a big update this week i mean already the game is just just out although it's been in early access for a while but it's just like released out and they put a big new update with new characters and new areas to to visit 
Um, I know I stand by what I said last week or the week before, whenever it was that we talked about it. Um, I stand by what I said about it. I, you know, I think if it was a linear game instead of a roguelite, it might even be a little bit better just because I kind of, I like the fiction of the world and I want to just progress through it in a, in a, a to B to C way and not have to, you know, rinse repeat so quite so often, but that is just such a minor quibble. It's just like, I love this game. I want to see more of it more quickly rather than having to, to, uh, get better and better and better and grind my way up. But the grind is so fun. So, uh, I highly recommend people check out star renegades. If you don't have game pass, uh, it's on steam. It's, it's, I think it's on, coming to switch. If it's not already on switch, it would be a great switch game. Uh, but I'm playing it on PC and I am just in love with that game. Star Renegades. I think you're going to hear me talking about it at the end of the year. It's so good. It's so good. And Hades too. It's like Hades is so such a tight product, man. It's so fantastic. I was watching the no clip documentary series about the making of Hades and those super giant is a really great developer. And I just, I love all of their games in different ways. Um, but this one I think is the one that I have loved as much nearly as much as bastion and bastion is is really in that upper echelon for me of of indie games and i think hades is the closest they've come to recapturing that magic for me even though i've enjoyed all of their releases to some extent uh it, it is it it really does feel like um such a complete experience as a roguelite it is each weapon really changes up how you play each weapon has advantages and disadvantages uh each run the the enemy types and the progression through and what you, your, what your power-ups, uh, how they focus you and how, uh, alter your play style. It's, it's everything you want out of that kind of game wrapped in an absolutely stunning presentation. Just gorgeous. I mean, I wish it, it supported ultra-wide, but the way it uses ultra-wide is that it instead of just having black bars on the sides, it puts custom art on the sides, which kind of makes it feel almost like an arcade cabinet. Uh, and the art is stunning, so it doesn't feel less than, even though it doesn't actually support ultra-wide resolutions. It's great. Hades and Star Renegades, um, I mean, it's this abundance of riches right now as far as great games to be playing. So, If anyone wants to buy super giant games, I will go with them for a couple of million dollars. <laughs> you just throw you in, just bundle you in. Who's I'm this part guy? Of, I don't know, he's part of the bundle. I'm part of the deal. I don't know if you knew that. I love your games, but I'm in. So I'm not saying you need to sell, but if you are bought, I'm part of it. So it's like those 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 stores that are bundling, you know, the console that you really want with like a, a jacket. You know, it comes with a jacket. I don't want a jacket. Well, well, we wanted to get rid of these jackets and we've got consoles. You want those? I've been hitting F five for hours. I really want to buy Super Giant Games, but it's bundled with this stupid Christian Spicer <laughs> who's made like twenty of these bad jokes and horrible hot takes this entire I guess we'll get it. It's the only one left. <laughs> That's the only one. It's the only super giant available. So, well, you're the Funko Pop of podcasters, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You can get me for twenty percent off this week only. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, we got a listener who suggested or or submitted, I should say, a a uh, review, which you are welcome to do. If there's a game that we have overlooked or a take on a game that you didn't hear us deliver that you think you would like to supply, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes uh, from Felipe. I hope I'm pronouncing correctly, either Felipe or Felipe, uh, who says, I wanted to share with you 
this game called Among Us. It's available on iOS, Android, and PC. I've been a longtime board game fan, one of my favorite games being Dark Moon. Dark Moon is basically the Battlestar Galactical board game without all the stuff going on outside the ship. When you play, one person is a traitor and is trying their best to sabotage this ship while the rest of the crew are trying to get the ship working and trying to figure out who the traitor is. Obviously, with COVID, we aren't able to get together and play board games anymore, but this game, Among Us, does a great job of capturing the same feeling Dark Moon gave me. In Among Us, you are running around on a ship doing tasks in the form of minigames. If enough tasks are completed, the crew wins the game. There are, however, imposters on the ship that will kill you if you are alone with them and sabotage parts of the ship. You can play this game by looking for a random room with people, but I think it's more fun to create your own private room, set up a Zoom meeting with friends, and play the game with them. Talking to people face-to-face to to see if they are lying is much better than just typing out, you're innocent. (laughs) The game is free to play on mobile, but does cost $5 on PC. I hope you guys like it. That again comes from Felipe. Uh, and was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. I've heard a lot of people talking about this game Among Us. John, have you had any experience with it? I, I've seen that too online. I've seen uh, that it's kind of been the talk uh, this past week. And then just today, my daughter came up with her phone and was showing me. She's like, Dad, look at this game I'm playing. And it was Among Us. And I'm like, oh, how did you learn about that? And she was kind of showing it off a little bit to me. Uh, so now I think I have to check it out just to see if it's appropriate for my nine-year-old to be playing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, for free on iOS, uh, I'm, I'm interested to just check it out. There's a lot of these kind of games on uh, as board games, as, as card games, um, you know, trying to figure out who the, who the traitor is. And I, I, I genuinely love them, although it's basically all of them equate to lie to your friends, you know, lie to your friend's face and see how good of a liar you are. I've been um, doing but, that for years. It's, I call it DLC. <laughs> and if, if you want to learn about all my lies, it's $5 million from my memory. <laughs> I kind of um, hope my kid sucks at it then now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Play this game with me, dad. I'll lie right to you. I've been trying. I've been, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so that's Among Us, and uh, thank you for sending that in. Uh, as we move on now, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is Mac Weldon. I love it when Mac Weldon sponsors. Why? Because basically all I wear these days, it's wild. I, I, have, I have several of their four-way active shorts. Uh, the, Ace, the Ace Sweat Short. Why can't I say the word sweat short? Sweat short. <laughs> I love my Ace sweat short, even if I can't say it. Uh, I have several of the four-way active shorts. I have several several of the Ace sweat shorts. <laughs> uh, and I live in these. This has been my summer wear. They're so comfortable. They are so high quality. They, I just throw them on at the beginning of the day, take them off at the end of the day, live in these things. They're sturdy. They're rugged. They come in cool colors. Simple. I love Mac Weldon. I love the Mac Weldon experience. I've been getting uh, underwear from them, the boxers from Max Weldon for a long time. They are a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. I wasn't really somebody before Mac Weldon that really cared about premium fabrics. Never really thought about it. But when you when you get something like this, you can tell the difference. I have their polo shirts, and shopping is what is so 
much better. You're not wading through a sea of products. They've just got the best of the best. You want pants? There's three different pants to choose from. You want shorts? There's like three or four shorts to choose from. You want shirts? There's just a few. It's just streamlined. They know that that guys in general, if you're like me at least, you don't want to sit through and spend hours of your life figuring out what to buy when you need new clothes, when you just need comfortable, high-quality, good-looking stuff. They make it easy. Mack Weldon is the place to go. It's comfortable. You got They got underwear, socks, shirts. They look good. They perform well. And the folks at Mack Weldon have even created their totally free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level one, you get free shipping for life. Free shipping for your life. Level one, that's pretty amazing. And once you reach level two by spending 200 bucks, Mack Weldon will start giving you 20% off every order for the next year. That's amazing. So check them out and you can get 20% off your first order without even being level two just for listening to this show. 20% off your first order by visiting macweldoncom slash DLC and entering promo code DLC at checkout. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N dot com slash D-L-C, promo code D-L-C. Now, I know nobody else has been playing VR but me this week, but I got to talk because uh, in addition to those two roguelites that I mentioned, I've been spending a lot of time in the headset. Why? Because... Two games got me, well, actually the real reason, the real reason, ladies and gentlemen, is that I reorganized my room. <laughs> I reorganized <laughs> my little office in my house. I moved everything around. I freed up a bunch of space and I was like, oh, it's, this is delightful. Uh, I have so much room now to be able to play VR. I, I got these cool uh, headset mount for like 20 bucks from Amazon. So I have my my uh, index mounted on this headset in my room. So it's easy to to grab it and put it on. So I decided to throw my headset on and play uh, some No Man's Sky, which I haven't played in so long since the VR update, really. I, I thought I was going to get super into it again. I got it on, uh, you know, I rebought it on Steam so I could play it on PC instead of just on my PlayStation 4, which is what I played it on when it originally launched. But it didn't really catch me. It didn't really, it wasn't a smooth experience. I was kind of disappointed by how it looked in VR a bit. But, oh, man, in the interim, there have been a number of patches, and No Man's Sky in VR has gotten very, very good. It is smoother. It, is, it looks great. The control scheme is so slick. I love it. You, you tap the side of your head to pull up the scanning. You pull the, the uh, you know, your multi-tool from your back. Uh, you've got a quick menu on your wrist to do the most uh, useful commands that you need. Everything is so slick in VR, looks great, and it really feels like exploring an alien world. And, you know, <laughs> the the way the game brings you in now, I, I started a whole new campaign, and the way the game brings you in is better. It's better. It feels like a real game. It feels like a uh, a, a, it's got hooks. You have to do certain tasks. You have to get off the first planet. And then you have these messages you start getting that brings you into a narrative and, and, and hooks you forward. 
It's really good. And I'm like here playing No Man's Sky going, man, I, I've been, I, I, I'm really getting back into this game. This is really, really cool. And VR, I'm loving it. I'm playing seated in my chair, like super comfortable. Like how you, how you pilot your ship in VR is amazing. You're in the cockpit of your ship and you literally put your hands out and grab controls. Like the, the sticks on the controls also work, but you put your hands on virtual joysticks in the cockpit and move them around and move a throttle back and forth. You grab the hatch and pull it back to open the hatch. They've kind of borrowed some mechanics from uh, Half-Life Alex of, of grabbing things and flicking them toward you. It's just great. And I'm here going, man, this, oh man, no, no, my sky. I just haven't, I haven't touched this in so long. And then literally like two days after I started playing it again, a huge new patch for No Man's Sky came out. <laughs> I had no idea that like it would time out to a good time to be talking about No Man's Sky again because they just dropped a huge new content patch uh, that I was not even aware of. I, I logged in I was, and I go, did I play the new content patch? No, I, I played it two days before the content patch launched. Uh, so I've been, you know, I've been experiencing that, although I'm not far enough to really experience the new content. You really got to hand it to Hello Games for continuing i mean how how long ago did that game come out two or three years ago uh oh more than that i think it was 2016 right wasn't it quite possibly yeah i mean considering the the rocky launch they had that they have just 2018 sorry continued to be committed to that and and just add and and for correct me if i'm wrong aren't all the uh the updates free i believe too um, yeah. So I think they've just yeah. done a tremendous job of being committed to that and making it better and better and better. Uh, and you make me want to revisit it now. Uh, especially if you have a VR headset, I can't recommend it higher. It, it, it really feels like true exploration. Uh, it's, it, I think the game has been refined to a point where it, it really feels exciting. It's thrilling to get to a new planet, especially in VR. But I was, I was right. It, it came out for PlayStation 4 uh, in August of 2016 Xbox One in, in July of 2018. Okay. So that's what I was reading. Um, yeah, initial release, August 9th, 2016. Wow. And this huge new patch just came out this week. Still supporting. Uh, and it added a, yeah, added a bunch of new stuff, new biomes. It added volcanoes, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, yeah, it, it's really, really great, especially in VR. I think they've worked out the kinks that it when it launched in VR, the update for the VR update, I was a little disappointed by, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. because it, it 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 just didn't wasn't as smooth as I was hoping it would be. But uh, revisiting it, it is very smooth, and uh, I was I'm just loving it. It's very peaceful. It's very calming. Yeah. Even though yes, you're constantly worried about your your suit, you know, running out of supplies and stuff. There is a creative mode. There is a sort of no pressure, just walk around mode. But even in the main normal survival mode, I'm finding that the game is a little more forgiving than I remembered it being when I first played it. And the quick access buttons make it easy to replenish your supplies. And it's it's great. Yeah, I think the last time I played it was when it debuted on PSVR. Uh, and it didn't really hook me at the time. Um, but yeah, this that sounds really good. Yeah, on, on PC, and especially if somebody's getting um, a... Uh, oculus 2 you know a quest 2 uh, and and has the link cable or is planning to do the link cable highly recommend giving no man's sky a a, a look because i think you can get it for pretty cheap now and it is it is a very very solid 
VR experience. A- another very solid VR experience that I didn't even realize I'd been ex- anticipating it coming out on VR because I heard it was being ported to VR, uh, but I didn't even realize it came out last week. And that is Operencia, um, which is a game that I, uh, I guess it's Operencia Stolen Sun. It's a, it's a game that I, um, that I lauded when it first came out uh, in, you know, normal and a non VR version. I played the crap out of that game. It's like an old school grid based dungeon crawler with really sharp writing, vivid characters, a, a really fun turn based combat system. It's like Ultima Online, or excuse me, Ultima Underworld, which is the old franchise that I loved. I love those kinds of games. And they ported it to VR. And I'm here to say, as much as I love me some Half-Life Alex and, you know, all these wonderful, dedicated VR experiences, I really think, now I know VR is a small market, but I really wish more game developers would port their games to VR because I think it is underappreciated how fun it is to just be in VR playing games that you can just sit and play with a controller. Like I'm playing Operencia with a controller. I'm not playing it with my, you know, my move, uh, my tracked hand motion controllers. I'm playing it with a Xbox controller seated and it's still immersive and awesome. And there's tons of opportunity for that. I, I would love to play more third person action games in VR. I would love to play more uh, just standard, you know, normal Games that aren't built to give you presence, aren't built to give you uh, the first-person experience. I mean, Operencia is in first-person, but there are plenty of games that would benefit from being able to look around, using my head as the camera, feeling the whole world around me in 360 degrees. It is totally immersive and awesome. The game looks gorgeous. Operencia looks so gorgeous in VR. Uh, I I wish more developers would do this. I don't know how many more sales it equated to for them. Uh, but it was it was awesome. I I had this game on uh, Epic Game Store, and then I got it on Steam to do it with uh, Steam VR. Even though I found out later that I guess Epic Game Store would would have worked, but um, I got it on Steam VR, and it just had my save. It just loaded my save from the old game from the from the Epic Game Store version. I was like, everything should work like this. <laughs> the game is great. It's awesome so in VR. Yeah, it's just I loved it. Your enthusiasm. Anyway, I had some very infectious. positive VR experiences this week. What's that? I said your enthusiasm is infectious. Oh uh, well, I, I, yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend these, and they, they have been an, a balm for my soul. Quite honestly, it has been uh, lovely to just go into VR seated, calm, holding a controller in my lap, and just be inside this immersive world with 3D audio all around me and kind of be inside a game rather than staring at it on my screen and being reminded when my phone goes off or I get a, you know, I get a, a message on something where I'm distracted by some other thing, like being, being inside a game, even when it's a game where I'm just like sitting there, it's, it is, it's so nice. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> anyway. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But John Wall, thank you so much for being here, man. It's always so fun talking to you. Oh, it was lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It was great. 
Absolutely. It was it was too long in coming. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the great things that you're doing online. Uh, you can find uh, myself on Twitter at JohnWall77 or uh, Megadads is at Megadads blog. Uh, you can find our podcast, Megadads Live, wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Apple uh, or Amazon Music, wherever. Um, and megadads.org is our website where you can find all of our content, including, like I said earlier, our voice campaign to try and get people to go out and vote. And we've got resources to find out more at megadads.org slash voice. Very, very cool. A worthy, worthy endeavor. And I hope more people give it, a, uh, check it out and give it, give their uh, effort and care into participating this year it is i think very worthwhile i think each of us you know we can only reach so far with our audiences and our platforms but the more of us we can get together and and speak out as one uh i think we can reach much farther so that's our goal yeah it's easy you'll feel good about it participate christian spicer what do you got going on this week uh you know trying to catch up the the tldr is my mom's here for surgery and she's fine but that's going to be a big part of my 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 week it's like hi life um but twitter's the best way to see other stuff that isn't that isn't that um at spicer's the best way there and then i usually stream this very show live on my twitch uh sunday 7 15 p.m pacific time twitch.tv slash christian spicer and it's Several days late now uh, for this, but I, I was tweeting about it, and you know I'm a fan of it. Um, Last of Us Day has come and gone um, already for people listening to this, but I think they do really great job with celebrating and supporting that community over the years. And if you are looking for something to just take in and enjoy, I'm going to say his last name wrong, and I apologize. But he uh, is from Kojima, Yoji Shinkawa, Shinkawa, Shinkawa. Um, he does a lot of the Metal Gear art you've seen over the years. He did a Last of Us poster, a Last of Us Part Two poster that uh, you can just have digitally, like on your phone or on your desktop. And it came out as part of Last of Us Day, and it is a thing of utter beauty. As someone who owns several of his Metal Gear pieces, um, seeing him do some of my favorite characters of all time is a real treat. So even if you missed pre-ordering something from Mondo or whatever, you can check that out. Add it to your phone. It is gorgeous it is gorgeous and then go to vote.org that's the other thing i'm doing this week encouraging people to vote uh like uh all of us uh jeff Indeed. what about what about you good sir i saw um i saw you trolling your players buddy i i i uh i caught up on that clip and it was a well-played a well-played troll my friend there oh, are... i think you might have to be more specific i, I troll my players quite a lot it was the most recent <laughs> one that ran around this week and then i dove into the app to, to witness it in all its glory and all i'll say is hallways Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Uh, James Quillis. Uh, yeah, you're talking about the dungeon run. Uh, this episode this week was so much fun. It, uh, I'm so proud of it. L- ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, check it out. Check out the dungeon run. This week's episode, which was episode 65, it was called Riddle of the Forges, had some of the coolest visualization. We're doing a all-digital tabletop a virtual tabletop and the it's proprietary software we're using. It's awesome. The camera angles, the models that they're using. It looks like a video game. It's incredible, incredible, incredible. And how they're doing it is even cooler. They're doing it in VR, although it, you can't tell, but they're inside VR moving pieces around, acting it out for us. 
it's incredible. And the the team had some awesome fights this week. Check out the Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube by searching for the Dungeon Run there. Uh, you can also listen to it as an audio podcast. You won't get those cool visuals, but it's still really fun to listen to. You can enjoy it like an audio book uh, by searching wherever you get podcasts for the Dungeon Run or we record live on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time with, I think, the the coolest group of folks uh, online. I mean, the DLC audience is awesome, and I love all of you, but this group is a rowdy bunch for four hours. It's pretty wonderful. So check that out at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. Also have uh, some other stuff, uh, the slash filmcast I do is uh, a movie and TV show review podcast. We're talking about um, One Cut of the Dead this week, which is a wild movie. Uh, you hear us talk about that over on Slash Filmcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Also, I always review my movies on that podcast with a limerick, and now I have been urged to sell limericks, custom limericks, if you're interested in getting a message for any occasion, birthday, anniversary, anything. Announce the birth of your child with a custom Jeff Kanata limerick. I'm selling them over on cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. Uh, and the comedy science podcast I do is called We Have Concerns. Uh, urge you to check that out as well. It's a lot of fun and you'll learn something. We have concerns.com. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our par- parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. John, do you have a recommendation to get people through their week? I do. Uh, This weekend, my entire family sat down and watched the new Netflix film Enola Holmes, starring Millie Bobby Brown as the title character and Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, It is the story of Sherlock's sister who has to go out on her own and solve a mystery. It is a fun, fun adventure time for the entire family. Great, great actors, great story. Uh, We all loved it, especially my 12-year-old daughter, who was a very strong-minded and independent girl. And she loved seeing this this girl go out and show that she could do everything that the boys can do and better. Uh, So Enola Holmes uh, just came out this weekend on Netflix. It was a really good time. Awesome. Very cool. Christian Spicer, how about you? Parting gift? Yes. Uh, one, I will be vague because these were DMs, but shout out to Greg for helping me. Um, well, I'll send you another DM, but thank you uh, as well. Two, my parting gift, uh, Wave Soda. Uh, I gave up like actual soda a very long time ago and drink a lot of carbonated water. And Wave Soda, they might be Southern California based, but they are like picture... Um, a oh gosh why am i blanking on it not uh spindrift right like there's Lacroix, which is like carbonated water with like flavor essence of like whatever it is i drink a lot of them but then spindrift is came around and it's like carbonated water with like actual lemon juice in it and that's all and what wave soda is it's more like a traditional soda they're kind of fruit flavors but no added sugar so the only sugar in it is from like the blackberry juice that's in it or something like that but it also has a little bit of caffeine in it. It contains for- 98% blackberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it has uh, like natural caffeine in it as well. So it's a nice replacement for like if you're trying to kick Pepsi or Coca-Cola or something like that. 
It is no sugar added. I think it's like 25 calories for a can and then a little bit of caffeine as well. And it's a company called Wave Soda. And I really like them. I recommend the Tangerine. All right. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I had a chance to see the new documentary Console Wars. Yes. Um, Blake Harris was a guest on our show way back when. He wrote the book Console Wars that I know Christian raved about. Uh, this is a documentary based on that book, and it covers the Sega Nintendo battle all around Wait, the. Jeff, say it like you mean it. The what Nintendo? The what? Sega. There it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Nintendo and Sega battle that happened in the '90s uh, all around the Super Nintendo and Genesis launch, and I found this uh, fascinating. I think this. This to me is the, the, the documentary is everything that the high score documentary on Netflix wasn't. Uh, it felt like it was it was made for adults, you know. It really um it, it really took its subject matter seriously, and it also focused on something that most video game documentaries don't, and that is the marketing. And you really, or at least I really realized, oh my god, we are all victims of marketing. <laughs> It's, it is an extraordinary journey through how a little kid named me and lots of us of that generation were absolutely manipulated by marketing uh, and uh, the people who did it, it. It really it interviews them. It shows tons of archival footage, which as much as the, the book is cool, like seeing the footage is just great, like tons of old commercials and old uh, trade show videos and just wonderful actual, you know, images from that time. It makes it very much a wonderful nostalgia trip, but also a vision into things that I've never seen at all, you know, like behind the scenes machinations and the people who are involved in coming up with things. And, uh, it, it is very worthwhile. It is on, um, I believe it's on CBS all access right now. Um, it was, uh, sent to us by Blake, which I appreciate. Thank you, Blake. Christian, I know you ought to see this as well, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's exquisite. I, I said this to Blake already, but like I got legit teary-eyed watching it. And I think it was just the nostalgia wave hitting me, but like of these commercials I remembered and like simpler times. And I still highly recommend the book after having watched the movie because it gets a little more in depth with a lot of the Sony stuff that the the movie, I think, has a limited runtime. Like I could have watched a 20-hour version of this. Yeah, right, yeah. But the archival footage is top-notch. The interviews from old e3 show floors or ces show floors is incredible and the fact that they got these people almost all of the heavy hitters in the book to go on camera you know like now ish i don't know when it was yeah. filmed but recently to talk about it again and look back on it is great too because i could see there still being you know some bad blood or anger between but like they're, they're there they're very willing to talk about it you see the different philosophies and what they were going for um, it's, it's really, really well done. It's, it's really, I well agree. Done. Yeah. It's very watchable. It's very fun. It's super informative. You, you come out. I mean, I lived through all that. I am a person that has a lot of interest in the video game industry. I thought I kind of knew what was going on and I learned a lot. So it's, it's really worth watching. I, I highly recommend it. console wars on CBS all access. It just shows that 5 million for, you know, my little league memories. Like that's a deal. You know, chump you change, make, chump, make a chump good movie change. about it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us by Andrew to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this one is addressed to just one of us. Uh, Andrew says, Hey, Christian. Hmm. Well, thanks. Uh, I'm off Twitter. I'm here to buy your childhood <laughs> memory. Yeah. And will you take 15 cents? Um, <laughs> hey, Christian, I'm off Twitter, but saw this and thought of you and figured might as well submit it as a parting gift. It's slightly addicting. Thought you would enjoy. Hearing this is as a Blink song is fascinating. Now I want a whole album of Blink covers of other classic pop punk songs. Evidently, it's uh, Blink 182 covering other pop punk songs on YouTube. Do you see this, Christian? I, I love it. And I think the closest uh, there's certainly been other instances of like fun punk bands covering uh, punk bands. There's like um, a great album is probably 25 years old now of like bands doing Operation Ivy songs. That's really, oh, yeah. really great because one Op Ivy forever to hearing other bands takes on it is really cool. I think Less Than Jake does one. If I remember correctly, that's just absolutely killer. And then Newfound Glory for years would do those from your screen to your stereo where they would cover like 80s movie theme songs. So it's a little <laughs> different. Awesome. It's still like really cool. But I love this. And I love the fun that Blink's been having. Um, you know, they seem very self-aware. <laughs> um, yeah. Whether it's playing their own song in The Last of Us Part Two, <laughs> or covering other pop punk songs. I, I, I love it. And yes, I would 100% be in for an album of theirs just covering like, Green Day, you know, whatever it is, right? Just like playing yeah. other bands' hits would be really cool. Well, just to be clear, the one that a Andrew sent us is uh, a video on YouTube that was, is dated September 10th uh, of this year uh, titled, If Blink-182 Wrote Semi-Charmed Life. So um, you can search for that on YouTube and you will find Andrew's parting gift. And JP in the chat reminded me, one, hi, JP. Two, it's called Take Warning is the name of that Op IV cover take album. Take Warning! Take Warning! Yeah. It's real good. I was all into, I was very into that album. You would not think it of me, Christian, but I was. I loved me some Op IV in the back in the day. Um, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to John Wall and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us, fact-checking us, giving us info in real time. You are appreciated. And thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you who download the show and listen to it. We are very grateful, and we will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. And vote. <laughs>